to Trinity Dallas. We pray that this message will be a source of encouragement and hope in your life today. Enjoy today's message. We are uh, hosting a free Indeed seminar taught by Pastor Terry Moore, who is going to be preaching to us here in just a moment. This is probably one of the most important uh, seminars or teachings that we do here at Trinity. Uh, It's this coming Saturday. I want to encourage everyone, if you've not had a chance to register or be a part of uh, a free Indeed seminar in the past, this is your moment. We're going to be talking about the biblical principles of freedom. And how does that apply in our lives today? How can we begin to walk in the freedom, the full freedom, that Christ purchased on the cross for us? It's a powerful time. I want to encourage you to uh, follow the QR code. Everything is provided for you in your worship guide. You could use that and register with us. Well, uh, Pastor Terry really needs no introduction here at Trinity Church. As you know, the story, Trinity Church was birthed out of Sojourn Church with Pastor Terry and his wife Susan started and pastored for many years, and Pastor Joe and Nancy have been connected to them, and he's really a spiritual father at this house. So would you give a warm welcome to Pastor Terry Moore? Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome and good morning to Trinity. Um, My wife Susan is with me. Uh, we have, we're going to celebrate 50 years of marriage in June. So I, I remember when I was a little kid, my parents went to somebody's 50th, you know, celebration. And I remember thinking, people actually live that long? You know, I, you do. <laughs> Praise God, we're still, still alive. We are, uh, we are blessed, 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 to say the least. And Joe, thank you for having us and all the team. We are just, uh, we love you guys at Trinity. Excited for what God has in store for you. Uh, as I knew it was coming to share, I prayed about, you know, Lord, do you have something for the church? And at the moment I said that, I had a picture of like I was in a, a helicopter or something looking down on this area. And I saw this location and the, the new location at Herschel. I saw just a ball of fire, like light. It was so bright. And I went, wow, that's, what is that? And the Lord said, you need to tell them that how important you are. The location that God has put you in uh, is a very strategic place. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And I don't think most of the time we realize how important um, you are. The gathered body meeting here and the one that will be meeting and gathered over there on Herschel are just very, really important. And you're making a difference. And it's not because you do something, it's because you are something. And I just want to encourage you as you gather together, the, you know, the Lord says that wherever two or more are gathered, he is in their midst. And so the promise is, is that he doesn't leave us. It's not like you go out and you're by yourself. But the reality is the dynamics of coming together. I don't think we really fully understand the, the testimony and the witness that you're being in this area. And uh, yep, there's other churches and praise God for them too. But I, again, every church is really important. And I, just, I think I just want to encourage you. What's going on here and what will be going on in Herschel is extremely important. In eternity, it's really important. 
you know, people driving by and just coming by, whether, like I said, it's not about you doing something, it's just your presence is, you're inviting the presence of God, and it is making a difference. You are light. Amen? Amen. I mean, so I just encourage you, and excited for what God has in store for you guys, and really looking forward to, uh, as the other location gets, gets opened up also. Now, I want to share with you, again, I want to encourage you to uh, come next Saturday to Free Indeed, something we've been doing for a long time. Um, I shared in the first service, I forgot the name of the Abundant Life. We worked on a manual um, years ago, and it was called Abundant Life. That, that manual, God and I, Joe and I worked on this, and we've, we're still working on things. And it morphed into what we now call Free Indeed, which we'll be doing. Uh, all the pastors are involved. We're going to have a wonderful time next week. So what I want to do today, I want to share sort of my story because this is how it, your life story is sort of what happened. This is what God did in my life to, to get to the place where we are today. So I grew up in a Christian home. We, um, I grew up about 50 miles south of here, actually on a farm. My parents, my dad farmed. We were outside of <clears throat> Corsicana. And, um, but always went to school in Corsicana, the big city. And uh, in the first grade, I met my wife. So we've known each other for a few years. And uh, so we went all the way through grade school and, you know, which is now called middle school, but junior high in those days, and uh, high school. And then uh, we both attended uh, SMU. And we dated, started dating really, we were friends, but we didn't date until really into uh, last year or so of, of high school, and then went to SMU. <clears throat> All the time, I was raised in church. I came to know the Lord at early age. Susan was raised in church. We went to church. We attended church. I don't recall missing very many Sundays in my entire life. Um, not a lot of Wednesday nights. And, uh, we were, and not many Sunday nights. We went to church, we went to church a lot. And I, I announced to my father when I was younger, I said, I don't want to go to church. He said, okay, put your clothes on. I go, I don't, I don't think you heard me. I don't, I don't want to go to church. He goes, <laughs> you didn't hear me. Put your clothes on. He said, we attend church. Now, when you are older and you have a family and you can, in your own house, you can decide what you're going to do. But in this house, we're going to church. So put your clothes on. So it's like, <laughs> ended that discussion. <laughs> but we, we attended church. We went to church in college. Uh, some of the uh, interesting different people in college, but we did. We attended church in college, got out of college. We attended, we continued to attend church. Uh, we were just, we grew up that way. That's what we did. Um, we had, we have two children and um, both of them are, are married, live here. We've got five grandchildren and uh, they're in the Dallas area and we're uh, really, really blessed. Uh, about 1978, uh, we were involved in, we were, like I said, we were going to church, but some things happened, and really God took us to a deeper level in church world in Him. And basically what happened was is that we, were, we changed the church we were going to to another church that was much smaller and really got involved. We just said, you know, we're not, no longer we are going to just attend church. We're going to really get involved. We need each other. And so we started getting involved. We had gone to a James Robinson meeting that actually was in the downtown convention center. And then later he had a, a meeting where I invited, we invited our friends. A lot of them got their lives either saved or turned around at that particular meeting. Uh, we 
got to be friends and supporters of James's ministry. We also began to take uh, classes down at Dallas Seminary, which was called the Lay Institute, on a Monday evenings the graduate students would teach. That was our date night. I'm sure y'all have date night like that. But, uh, but anyway, that's what we do. We'd come down here. We lived in North Dallas, and we would come all the way down here and go to eat. And then we would go to Dallas Seminary for the Monday night classes. So my point of sharing all that is that we were not casual attenders. Uh, we weren't just somebody that would go to church on Easter and Christmas. We were very involved, very, very involved in the church. At the same time, um, things were not right with me. And uh, even though going to church, doing all the things, very involved in, uh, I've tried to read my Bible on a daily basis. I tried to pray. I was in, involved in a number of Bible studies. But a couple of issues. Number one, from, even from an early age, I had a terrible temper. <clears throat> and I, you know, people say, well, you get angry. I said, no, I didn't get angry. I exploded. Uh, it was different. I didn't, I didn't learn anger. Uh, my f- parents were not angry. My brother, I have an older brother, uh, not angry. I didn't see it in my grandparents. Uh, listen, I grew up on the farm. My grandparents lived at the end of the garden. My aunt and uncle lived across the road. I mean, they were all believers. I never heard a woman raise her voice since I was 13 years old. I was at a friend's house. So I, I grew up rather sheltered. But I still had a problem. I had a terrible temper. Uh, even in grade school, uh, I would, not many days would go by that I didn't get in a fight. Uh, the truth, even though I say that, I, didn't, I wasn't angry with people. I didn't get upset with people. But it was more with things. Things wouldn't work right or, or toys I had wouldn't work right. I, I'd demolish them. Um, then as I got older and then began to, started playing football, and that was rather encouraged. So I had an outlet for that, <laughs> had an outlet for that behavior that was not becoming. Um, and I played baseball. I actually played baseball in college at SMU. You may think, yeah, I don't think SMU's got a baseball team. That's the reason. <laughs> After I played there, they had to go. Boy, that was bad. We need to get rid. Of, we need to get rid of that program. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there was somewhat of an outlet or expression to, to get rid of, I guess. I don't know what it was. But whatever the case was, after we got married, um, I got into business. I've got a degree in business with emphasis in finance. Got in commercial real estate brokerage business. And then I got into oil and gas business. But I just, there was a, I had a problem. And uh, I would explode, you know, and I would tear up things. And I'd try to play golf. And uh, I could throw the golf club further than I could hit the golf ball. And sometimes they were in parts and pieces because I would tear them. I mean, I would literally destroy them um, along with bad language and everything else. I was just out of control. But I, I wasn't directed toward people, but it was just, it was things. It was the weirdest thing. Obviously, not Christ-like, especially for somebody going to church, attending church, going to Bible studies and all the things. I just had this problem. Susan would ask me, I'd come in from playing golf or something. She said, did you lose your temper today? I go, no, didn't lose it. I still got it. I wish I could, I wish I could lose it, but no, unfortunately, I still, it's, it's, it's a part of me. But it was horrible. And um, so I just, you know, it was one of those frustrating things. Not only that, then in business, I had taken what I thought was a lot of money, and I turned it into a little bit of money and a whole lot of debt. And I worked really hard at doing that. And it's like just frustration, you know, going to church, taking classes, trying to read my Bible. 
I'm trying to do everything that I, was, that I thought I was supposed to do. And the reality is, it's just getting more frustrated in my life. Then, of all things, before I was 30, I didn't hurt my back, but whatever I did, my back went out. And um, so, the condition I was in with a bad back, that's not a happy camper. And uh, I told the, I had a chiropractor friend that I would go to, and I said, if I could live with you, I could probably make it. But by the time I get home, I can't get out of my car. I have to open the door and crawl out on the ground and, and try to stretch enough so I can stand up. And it hurt so bad, and I was just miserable. And I thought, what in the world is going on in my life? In church, I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm going to classes, and uh, it's just... What's wrong? Something is wrong. And I remember hearing this somewhere. This is years ago. And I heard somebody talking about getting a word from God. I thought, hmm, I need a word from God. And I thought the only way you get a word from God is that you go get your Bible and open it, read it. And so if you have your Bibles, um, turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. I literally took my Bible, opened it up, and I was actually outside of my house. It was in the summer. And these, these verses just highlighted on my page. It said, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour I read that, I read, wow, I really believe this is a word from God. Now, I'll just back up just a little bit. I had, had made plans to have back surgery. And so I had a friend that had surgery in Houston, had gone down there and that had been successful. And uh, so I had planned to go down there. But in my mind, I remember an, an uncle I had that I went to visit him in the hospital. He had back problems. And I remember going in there as a, as a kid, you know, looking at the hospital bed, and they've got him strapped in the bed, tied, and they've got weights hanging off his, his feet on the, on the end, trying to stretch him out. And I remember looking at that going, now that looks terrible. Then he had back surgery, and in that day and time, they fused his back vertebrae together, and he was never able to really walk. He was never out of pain. So I'm sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, that's the picture I've got in my mind. So I'm getting ready to go down to Houston to see about having back surgery. So that's why I cried out to God. So I understood the point about humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. I mean, he exalts you. I, I, I grew up in church. So I got a concept of what that means. I'm not there. I understood fully, but at least that concept of humbling myself. And it says, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Well, man, you're talking about singing these songs on no fear. I'm going to tell you something. You've got a lot of fear when you're going into something you have no idea. And the only picture I've got of my uncle, who was never out of pain and was never able to really walk after his surgery, I have no idea what I'm getting ready to get into. So I'm going, okay, Lord, I'm going to do the best I can. I said, that other verse about the be sober, your adversary, the devil, that's your problem, not mine. So I went to Houston, really, I thought the same thing later. Went to Houston and uh, actually had surgery. And, uh, and what I had was laser surgery, which is pretty common today. It was a cutting edge technology in that day and time. And praise God, it worked. 
you know, I didn't have any pain. They alleviated the pain. So about six weeks later, this was in July of 82 when I had the surgery. About six weeks later in August, James Robinson was having a meeting in San Antonio. And we had been going to these meetings. These were basically uh, supporters of the ministry, and they were smaller. And uh, we knew, got to know really a lot of those people fairly well. So I called the doctor and I said, you know, I want to go to this meeting, but can I go? He said, oh, yeah. I said, just don't sit because the lower, it was lower back surgery. And he said, don't sit for a long time. Either stand. If you get really tired, go lay down. But you shouldn't have any problems. You should be able to go. It's great. So some friends, we all went to the meeting in San Antonio. And James comes out the first night. It's a Thursday night, uh, Friday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning meeting. And uh, so we in a hotel there. And so he comes out and he goes, okay, I want to share how, the, how God has changed my life through the Word of God. And uh, we're going to read the Word, and you're going to see things you've not seen before. So, okay, whatever. So we're sitting pretty close up to the front, and James says, I want you to write down all these scriptures. Uh, he gave us a pad, and we wrote all these scriptures down. He said, now put that down. I want you to get your Bible, and I want you just to open your Bible. We're going to read, and we're going to follow the Word and see what the Word says. And I'm, I'm sure you're going to see things you've not seen before. So the very first night, he opens up, and we're reading, actually, out of uh, Mark chapter 4. Now, Mark chapter 4 is a passage where he's talking about the sower sowing the, the Word of God. I'm not going to read all of that because it's really lengthy, but, but James was reading it. And he's explaining the parable to them. And in verse 14, as he gets ready to tell them what this parable is, he said, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. When, when I read that passage, I heard the audible voice of the Lord say, that's your problem. And the moment that he said that, the first Peter 5, 6 came back, or 5, 8 came back. It said, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, roams about like a roaring lion. And I mean, I, it was so noticeable that I turned to look behind me, and there were four ladies sitting behind me. It did not sound like it came from them. And I mean, it's like, wow. And from that moment on, God began to change my life to the extent I've never been the same since that time. I got filled with the Spirit, which I'd never even heard of, the church that I grew up in. There, there was no discussion about that. I got delivered of a demonic spirit of temper. I've certainly never heard about that. I mean, I had no idea there was a spiritual war going on. Uh, when I discovered there was a spiritual war, I found out I was a POW. I didn't even know there was a fight going on, and I'd already been taken captive. You know, and I discovered at the same time that Jesus has already defeated the enemy, completely paying in full for my freedom. And I got free and, and able to recognize that, wow, there is, there is a, a battle that's going on. I just hadn't shown up. I didn't know anything about it. Think about what the enemy can do to you if, you don't, if you're unaware that you have an enemy. So... I got a revelation of love of the Father. Nobody prayed for that. I just, I'm in the meeting and I'm just going, to, I got a download of how much God loves me. And I, the word of God literally came alive. So instead of just me wrestling and studying and trying to work through it, it just, it came alive. It became to, to be real all over 
to me. So much so that we came back. I remember one of the guys in the car was saying, well, what happened to us? And one guy said, maybe we just got saved. And the other guy said, I got saved in college. I was a reprobate. I'm telling you, I know <laughs> this is something different. We got filled with the Spirit or whatever. But the point is, is that we were all changed and still to this day, all the same group were all different. Came back and it was March of 83. We were excited what God was showing us and we wanted the church we were attending didn't have a midweek service. And we said, can we get together and have some people over to our home? And said, yeah. So we started having people in our home. Again, no intention of ever starting a church. Uh, if Susan and I had been given a list of a hundred things we'd be doing when we got out of college, that would not have even been on the list, much less at the bottom of the list. Um, so anyway, we, but we started the meeting. We were excited to share with our friends. We were telling people about what God had done in us. We are excited what the Word literally was coming alive and able to share with people and pray with people. <clears throat> and so in December of 1983, at a Bible study, I was standing there, and some of our, our, we'd brought some friends, met Joe, nearly 40 years ago. And um, isn't that amazing? We're awful young for that. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but we became fast friends. And uh, really, most of 84, this is before he met Nancy. So we, uh, we were just, we, we spent a lot of time together. We shared with people. We prayed with people. Uh, I could share his testimony as good as he could share his own. He would share my testimony about as good as I could share mine. I mean, we, we were praying with people. We prayed for people in the lobby of a bank. We prayed for people in restaurants. We prayed for people in offices. Everywhere we went, we shared and prayed with people because we were excited about what God had done in our life. And we were just encouraging to see people set free and to see people healed and delivered and saved. I mean, it was wow. So we actually officially started Sojourn Church in January of 1987 on Sojourn Drive. That's how we got the name. They were really creative. And so we started the church. I was the first one to, quote, quit working in the business world and the Joe was the next. And uh, we started, and then it was in the middle 90s when Trinity Church was, was birthed out. So uh, it's been a phenomenal journey. I mean, we, are, we stand in amazement, really, at what God can do. Because God could take people that had really no background at all, change their life, and use. But I tell people, people want to know if God is faithful. He just shows them a picture of us. He goes, that proves I'm faithful. I mean, because no skill set, no anything to offer except ourselves. And uh, so God just, it's amazing. We, we stand in amazement, really, at what God can do. That means he can do that in you also. I mean, you're supposed to be a pastor, but I'm going to tell you something. He can use you in a powerful way that you really have no idea that he can. And that's what free indeed is all about, helping us discover how we can walk in the fullness of what Jesus has paid for. Because he paid for us to be free. He paid with his life, and he rose from the grave to, to live victoriously over sin and death and the world and all the problems so that we might have life and so that we can then represent him. So turn with me. We're going to look at some scripture before we 
we adjourn today, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. I mean, when you think about, uh, I, I, like I said, I grew up in church. I had no idea there was such a thing as spiritual warfare. I did not know that I had an enemy. I mean, I, I obviously heard about the devil. I knew that. But just as far as me personally, can you, well, let me read this. This is verse 10 of chapter 6. <clears throat> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, just think about it. I mean, after I was, I had no idea that I had an enemy, that, you know, I'm just living in one dimension. Born again. I'm going to go to heaven, but I had no awareness that, you know, we actually live in two dimensions. I live in the natural realm, but there's a spiritual realm. We live in the spirit realm. And God wants us to recognize that we're not just limited to this one dimension. But the reality is, is that most of us are oblivious to that spirit realm. And that's why we do these things, try to help people realize that, wait a minute, um, we Living in the natural, remember Paul says that things that you see and, and touch and feel, those things are temporal. They're all going to pass away. But the things that you don't see, they're eternal. I mean, I just, I'm just like, wow. So I have a hard time thinking that way because we're so involved in the now and how we're living. But, but Paul tells us here, he put on the armor of God. Why would he tell you that if there's not a war going on? And of course, the armor of God is Jesus himself. But the reality is, is that you wrestle not against flesh and blood. James Robinson said years ago, he said, most of us in the church just go, just read that we wrestle not. We just stop right there. But no, God has called us to represent him. He's not trying to get us out of here. He's not trying to populate heaven. He's trying to get us to represent him here. What he modeled for us. He said for us to pray, his kingdom to come his will to be done on earth. Uh, that's where the problem is. Things are out of order here. So we're not ignorant of his schemes. I was ignorant of his schemes. I had no idea what was going on. So that's the reason that we put together Free Indeed, to try to expose those things that we may not be aware of that actually is given access from the enemy to work in our lives to steal, kill, and destroy. And uh, which is the next verse I want you to turn to, uh, John 10.10. 10. John 10.10, 10, I believe, ca captures the essence of really everything that goes on in life. We're talking about one verse. And it says that in John 10.10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We have two situations. He says, look, I've, I've come that you might have uh, life and have it abundant, and he's come to, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Just as clear as can be. That's going on every day. That's going on every day, probably in your head. The enemy is trying to steal the word because if he can steal the word, remember Mark 4, the enemy, the, the word goes forward and then immediately Satan comes to steal the word. Why? Because the word is living and active and sharpening to his sword. Jesus is the word. 
So the word, that's why he's stealing the word so we don't walk in the truth that makes us free. So he's trying to steal the word. He's trying to do that because if he can steal the word, he can kill you. Now, if he could actually kill you, he already would have. He can't. But the reality is that how does he try to kill us, gets us out of the game? He gets us into our own world, our own problems, our own issues, and basically just takes us out completely. And that's really where I was. I didn't know there was an enemy. He, was, he t- took me out of the game. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and might have it more abundantly. Not just a ticket to heaven, but life right now so that we could live and represent him. That's really what he wants us to do. To give you an example, we're, we're facing spiritual warfare all the time. It's at the highest level in our nation. It's in your workplace. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your cities. It's in our education. All over, there's a battle that's going on. And it's just a big picture battle. I was thinking about this the other day. In 1962, which I don't realize, that seems like a long time for most of you. Some of you are not even born. 1962, the enemy was able to steal prayer out of the schools. 1963 stole the Bible, and you can't have the Bible in school any longer. The results of that, abortion. So from stealing to killing to destroying a lot of lives, that's what the enemy does. I mean, he is a thief, and that's what he does. That's just one level. There's, There's so many, many levels. I mean, what did that produce in this nation? Well, it wasn't long after that where we went off the gold standard. It wasn't long after that where you continually, you see all the things that begin to go downhill. Why? You think just because you couldn't have a prayer in school or you couldn't take the Bible out? I want to tell you something. That's how powerful prayer is. Y'all just had a week-long time of prayer and fasting. I want to tell you, I don't think we have any idea how important that is. Personally and corporately and what it means to this area really the places you live. So it's just, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to steal the word. Now turn, if you will, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8 is what we're basically, the whole issue of free indeed based off of. Verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now, why this is such a crucial deal is because the truth is not just black ink on white pages or red ink, if you've got a red ink edition. No, the truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. He is the living truth. He is the Word. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. It says later in John, said, He will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he'll tell you. He will tell you things to come. Wow. It's the communion of the Spirit that's leading us. But the issue is truth. Because that devil knows that. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to steal truth from you. He wants to steal the Word. Because if he can steal the Word and get you distracted and get you out of living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Jesus quotes to the devil. If he can get you to do that, I'm going to tell you, he can kill you. And, and, and literally, he's not going to kill you, but he, he takes you out of the game. So the truth will make you free. A revelation of that. So what we do with free indeed is that we're hoping that if you will come, 
you'll discover some truth that you really weren't aware of. Now, it's the truth not just known in your head. It's the truth that you, you apprehend, that you own it. Once you've got that truth, devil can't steal it. And once you've got the truth, then all of a sudden you begin to, you can walk in that truth and you can help others discover the truth also. We have a saying in, in, our, in our seminar that free people will free people. Hurting people hurt people. And you know one other thing? You cannot give away what you don't have. As much as you may want to, if you don't have it, if you're not possessing and living in it, you can't give that to somebody else. That's what God wants to do. He wants to do work here and then a work in someone else. He wants us to be a blessing. So the truth will make you free if you abide in his word and spend time there. So in Free Indeed, we're hoping to share things that will, the truth that'll make you free. But at the same time, truth makes you free. Do you know a lie will keep you in bondage? And so we're hoping to expose some lies. I didn't, I mean, it's amazing what we've discovered over the years that it keeps unfolding and it's like revealing. It's like, well, that's the truth. Well, I didn't even know I, I believed a lie here. I didn't realize that I was believing something that's contrary to not only the nature of God, but his word. And so what happens is it's it really it, it's walking in, I've discovered truth, expose a lie. So that's our prayer. Now, you may say, well, I am free. Well, let me read this next verse. In verse 33, it said, then they answered him. Now, remember, he just said, the truth will make you free. In verse 33, it says, you are Abraham's descendants. I, I've never, we've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you'll need to be, you will be made free? Now, think about this. I wonder who they thought those Roman soldiers were. I mean, I'm just being honest. I would have said the same thing. I grew up in church, went to church, attended church. Somebody said, are you free? Yep, I'm free. How do you know you're free? I go to church. Read my Bible. No more free than a monkey. <laughs> but I'm sitting in church every Sunday. Listen, you can be deceived because they were deceived. The history of Israel, bondage a number of times. In Egypt, Babylon, other, other situations. But he said, we have never, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say we'll be made free? Jesus Andrew said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That's what God wants to do. He wants to free us. He wants to get us to the point to where it's not perfect. So I'm, I'm not, and I'm not talking about everybody's got to do everything right. But I'm talking about walking in the fullness of what Jesus has paid for. I don't want to get to heaven and find out there was so much more that I could have had. I want to get there and find out, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know this was for me. It's all for us. But see, it's not about me. It's about representing him and seeing people set free. You need to be free. The freer you get, the more truth you walk in, the you will make a difference to the people you're around. It's impossible not to. 
Susan and I would be the most unlikely people you would ever think would ever start a church and, and be used. Joe had no plans. Nancy had no plans to do that. But it was just the truth changes you. And, and it's the love of God, the love of Jesus. And just all of a sudden, you're not trying to do anything. We weren't trying to do anything. We just loved the Lord and we loved people. And we wanted to see people walk in the same freedom that we were experiencing. Folks, we're still experiencing freedom. We're still experiencing the depth and the love of God that he has for each and every one of us. But he created us, literally, to, to be used to make a difference. You can make a difference. So I want to encourage you. Come on Saturday and, uh, it's, and bring somebody. You know somebody that needs some freedom. You know somebody that needs, whether it's being born again, being filled with the Spirit, whether it's discovering the truth that will make you free, whatever it may be, we're going to talk about things that will, will literally help you understand some of the things that are going on in you and your family. And again, once you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Amen. Let's pray. You may be here this morning or you may be even watching online and you may not know the Lord. You may have gone to church. I went to church all my life, but there were sure a lot of things I didn't understand. Maybe need to be filled with the Spirit, whatever. Right now, just take a moment and say, Lord, I yield to you. I ask you, Lord, to help me. I want to know the truth. I want to know everything that you have paid for me so that I can walk in the fullness of not only what you did for me through the cross, but for what you created me to be. Just ask him, say, fill me, Lord. I want to be used of you. I want to, I want to be set free. I want to be empowered by you, Holy Spirit, so that I can, I can be and live in the victory that you paid for, but Lord, so that I can not just about me, so I can help others. Well, Father, we love you. We are so blessed and so thankful and grateful that you have blessed us and given to us really everything that we need. Wow. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see in the Spirit, to see beyond ourselves to see beyond our issues and the things that are seem to so occupy our time and help us to see you. We say, come Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Guide us, direct us, and lead us so that we would know the truth. Truth, Lord. Help us to grasp it, hold on to it. And then, Lord, I pray you'd help us help others discover the truth. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We are so grateful and thankful for your amazing love for us. And we just bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to dive deeper into today's message, go to trinitydallas.com forward slash sermons to receive your copy of the notes. If today's message encouraged you, do someone else a favor and share it with them. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. A special shout out to all those who partner with us through their giving. Your contributions have enabled us to touch the lives of people in our community, as well as around the globe. Visit us at trinitydallas.com forward slash give to partner with what God is doing through Trinity Dallas.